Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. It is a football Friday, an undefeated football Friday, as a matter of fact, as the Mac guys, John McMullen and Jerry McDonald, hang with you to talk about a very big football game coming up on Sunday night between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. Usually, that's enough said, but take a quick peek at the standing and see that the Eagles are the only undefeated team in the NFL. The Cowboys are one of very few teams at four and one so far. And the magnitude gets ratcheted up that much more. Uh, Jay Mack is going to hang with me for the first hour. Jeff Kerr, who I just jumped into his show, is going to hop in and uh, give Johnny Mack the chance to get over and hear from Nick Sirianni. Uh, I uh, would love to have uh, already heard from Nick Sirianni today because it should be very interesting what Nick has to say. I know John McMullen and or his beat brothers uh, on Eagles beat are going to ask him about it today. John, I did not know this was going to be a topic of conversation uh, when I was getting ready, starting to think about uh, the Friday Birds 365 after we wrapped up yesterday's. And I'm very interested to see. I think I know how you feel because I know how I feel about the amount of effect trash talk, a.k.a. bulletin board material, has on the outcome of any given game. Um, Yours truly believes that there's a whole bunch of people that put too much emphasis on like a guy's quotes are going to outweigh what actually happens on the field on Sunday. (laughs) Yeah. No, no. Don't believe that a little bit, but there are also some people that are dismissive that say it means nothing that you can go ahead and say anything. you want. It'll be decided purely by talent or whatever. I don't believe that either. So I don't get to either one of the polar opposite ends here. 
how much effect does trash talk have on the outcome of the game? Because yesterday, if you ask me, I think Demarcus Lawrence opened uh, opened mouth and inserted foot about the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I'm closer to the polar opposite of doesn't mean anything. Um, I, 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 I'm not, I never go a hundred percent all the time. One of Nick Sirianni's favorite phrases is a wise man avoids all extremes. Um, you know, never a hundred percent. It's always an end of it. Look, if somebody can use it, um, and it can work both ways, you're saying Demarcus Lawrence, I watched Marcus's interview. He was like sick of hearing about Jalen Hurts and kind of, you know, went in that direction. Um, and, you know, they were asking him if he was scared. Of, and NFL players, that's one thing. I mean, always, they're not scared of anything. They're not scared of anybody. So they get, they tend to get, you know, their backup when um, people phrase things in that way. So, I mean, if an individual mm. can take mm. something, whether it's good or bad, whether it's Demarcus Lawrence taking that to have a good game or Jalen Hurts taking that and saying it's disrespectful and he has a good game, I suppose it could work in an individual uh, manner like that if somebody needs motivation. But usually good players are motivated. I mean, Jalen Hurts, it's the Dallas Cowboys, it's NFC East rival. He doesn't need anything. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence doesn't need anything, you know. Demarcus Lawrence's biggest concern is Lane Johnson, not uh, not not Jalen Hurts, because yeah. Lane has kind of dominated him over the years, or at least as much as any tackle has. Um, that's his bigger concern. Um, so, while I'm not going to say a hundred percent, it's got no bearing. It's pretty. High 90s, I'd here's, say that. Here's where I would think that you would at least give it some credence because you're Mr. Human Nature. That well, the that's why I said I did on, on an individual in the level. Quarter, because when you're up by three touchdowns, it's human nature to get your foot off it the is. accelerator a little bit. Well, I don't know about you, but I'd be human naturely pissed off if the guy minimized my quarterback and what he's accomplished so far this year. And I thought Lawrence did that yesterday. Um, as I said, and that's why I said on an individual basis, one player here, one player there might take it. I, I wish people could listen to AJ Brown when they talk about this stuff, because AJ's like, I, I don't care. I don't care. That's got nothing to do with me. Um, it, it, it yeah, I mean, these are high-level athletes. I mean, they got to figure out a way to play every week. They got to figure out a way to play in Arizona. See, that to me is the bigger uh, problem than Dallas. I mean, that's the so-called trap game. That's the perfect trap game. Um, you have Dallas on the horizon. That's the human nature aspect of it. They don't need any help to get up for this game. Uh, they know what it means. But from a positive perspective, they also know what it doesn't mean, and it's still week six of the NFL season. It's not week 18. It's not for the NFC's title. Uh, so it's a big game. I think the Eagles are very good about putting everything in a perspective, um, and they've been very good about not um, falling into those traps, whether it's uh, you know, Washington after the big Minnesota win or Arizona. Uh, they've been very good about it. No, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think it matters very much. Um, 
and I know it doesn't matter very much to Jalen Hurts. He probably hasn't heard it, to be honest. And you know, but if somebody pulls out the clip and you know, and and edits it correctly, you know, same thing with Jason Peters calling the the fans bleeping idiots. You know, if you just edit out that piece right, and don't put the context. context to it, right? You know, the fans might get upset, but you know that has nothing to do with the Eagles either. Um, so. I, I mean, Doug Peterson used to use certain things, but he used to use our stuff, media stuff. When I say our our, our stuff, he used to use negative, um, you know, pieces, columns, articles, and, and say, "Look what they're saying about you." Um, he used to use it in that manner. Um, I don't think Nick does that as much, but he does do it. Nick Nick is very aware of the criticism of himself. I can tell you that. He heard all the flower stuff and all that. Um, so it, it depends on the individual. But the majority of the team doesn't, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to them. I think you make a good point when you categorize the 2022 Eagles. They're not a team that rides on a lot of emotion. And it all starts, of course, at the quarterback position. And Jalen Hurts is a flatline guy. He doesn't get too high. Sure, it's all doesn't get too low. He's got a great resting emotion to him when he plays the game. So if your leader is going to be that way, I think most of the offensive guys will follow. And on the defensive side, BG plays with a little emotion out there on the field. But that's about it. Edwards and Kazia White, I don't know if we know well enough. Certainly Fletcher, other than crawling on the ground after a sack, isn't a guy who plays with a whole hell of a lot of emotion. That's just not this Eagle team. They're not a team that's going to go highs and lows because of emotion. I think it's just, as you said, individuals. Individually, that's how they are. I don't know as a collective. When you get all the individuals who are relatively similar, then you expect the collective to act the same. I don't know that this game is going to be decided on emotion at all no, on Sunday. Do you? No, no. And, you know, you bring up BG. I mean, BG is one of the biggest trash talkers in the history of the world. Um, he, he does it on the field. Um, so, you know, guys who've been around for a while, they've heard, you know, everything from Brandon Graham. Um, do they hold that against him? I don't think so. I think they, they're – entertained by it more than anything else um yeah i mean nfl players are they are you don't get to that level especially good nfl players they are very very competent they are very very confident in their abilities so when someone questions their abilities like how you're going to deal with jalen hurts which is kind of the way it was framed with uh uh, to Marcus Lawrence, you tend to get a little pushback. They tend to get, you know, what are you talking about? I'm Demarcus Lawrence, that type of thing. So, I, I, I don't think, um, I don't think it's going to have a large bearing. I think Lane Johnson's handling of Demarcus Lawrence is going to have a much larger impact on this game. As do I, because Lane is having an unbelievable season so far this year, but. Uh... Maybe I'm looking at it as a, a guy who's going to have a rooting interest who's going to be rooting for the Eagles on Sunday. From a fan's perspective, yeah, it annoys me. 
because the Eagles are the only 5-0 and team in the National Football League. I don't think they're a faux 5-0 and team either. It isn't like they've had games handed to them or gifted to them and the other teams messing up and the Eagles really. You and I both have thoughts about a couple teams that are 4-1 and in the National Football League as of right now, Vikings, Giants, that we don't really think of as dominant teams or very good teams, even though the record says they are 4-1. and one. And they, The schedule that they've played, the way that the games have gone, double doinks in games, their explanations for it. There's no writing off the Eagles 5-0. and They've earned their 5-0, no. and they're a legit 5-0. and And when Demarcus Lawrence says the things that he says, and he says them the way that he says them, yeah, as a guy who does birds 365, it kind of ticks me off, Johnny Mac. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I would say it from this perspective. There's no, we, you talked about the Giants, and I agree with you, obviously. Um, I, you know, I've had to back off a little bit and stop saying they stink. Uh, I agree with you on Minnesota. They've gotten lucky. Um, on the other hand, you could say the same thing about Dallas, and especially from a, a, a defensive perspective. There's no, there's no shaky four and one for Dallas. It's the exact opposite. It's astonishing they are four and one because of you know playing with a backup quarterback and oh by the way a lightly regarded backup quarterback. This is not considered to be one of the better backup quarterbacks in the NFL. In fact, Jerry Jones got a ton of criticism because you know for the first four year uh, years of his career, Dak Prescott was a workhorse, never missed a game. And then all of a sudden the injuries started to follow up and here they come. Another injury, another, he's had three injuries um, over the past few seasons. And he's done nothing at the backup quarterback position. And he got, he's gotten a lot of criticism for that. This defense has won, you know, they just dominated the Super Bowl champions who are not playing well, but it's on the road. Um, Sean McVay, obviously, um, you know, considered the guy when it comes to offensive football. Um, their numbers are off the charts defensively. Uh, third in points per game, sixth in the advanced stats, the defensive, you know, if you're a football outsiders guy, the DVOA, all that kind of nonsense. So traditional numbers, they're good. Advanced numbers, they're good. Um and obviously, Demarcus Lawrence is a big part of that. So I would say, while you can't disparage the Eagles at five and zero, oh, which I agree with, you can't disparage the Cowboys four and one. They're not the Giants. They're not the Vikings. It's kind of amazing they're four and a, four and one. And you start to look at it if Dak Prescott gets healthy, if he starts playing like Dak Prescott. Well, this is probably one of the two or three legitimate contenders in the NFC. So I think it works both ways. And oh, by the way, uh, if there are Cowboy fans, and one of them could be the owner, he's kind of a fan of his own team, want to bend over backwards to take a ton of credit for Cooper Rush being as good as he is. I'll throw the BS flag right here, right now. Throw it. He's been on their team for five years. They cut him, and the Giants of all teams – Picked him up, had him on their roster for a couple of weeks, had to turn around and cut him because they got no roster crunch. There's the one place I give the Cowboys credit. When Cooper Rush became available again, they did make a play to get him right back. 
into their uh, organization. It, 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 Jody, he's got 14 transactions in his career already. And I think he came in in 2017. Um, yeah. And, and by the way, he hasn't even played that well. That That's another thing where you put another feather in the cap of, of the Dallas defense. What, what he's done well is he hasn't turned the football over. He's managed the game well. But it's not like he's making explosive plays. It's not like he's making great throws. He's just not making mistakes. And they're playing with that smaller margin of error, and they've been able to win games. I think pro football focus has him 25 of 36. So it's not like he's playing great football. He's playing better than people expected. But, yeah, I mean, this – yeah, I mean, he doesn't deserve credit for Cooper Rush. Right. I would uh, be slow in giving the Cowboys credit for it. But uh, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, if someone on the Eagle defensive line – Wanted to go down the road of Cooper Rush. Who has he played so far? Well, he actually did play Aaron Donald in the Rams last week. So uh, he acted just a, a foolish stance by uh, Demarcus Lawrence. And yeah, it did tick me off a little bit. Uh, I'm with you. I think I, in reading uh, you, what your thoughts are on how much effect bulletin board material can give a team, I give it a little more credence than you do. Neither one of us give it a ton, but I give it a little bit more credence. And I hope I'm right, because I hope it ticked a couple of guys on that Eagle offensive line off. Not that they uh, need it, but if they can add a little extra motivation because of it, uh, we should take it from an Eagle perspective. I eat John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Here's the way it's going to lay out today. JM and I are going to hang around for hour number one, and then John's going to go in and see if Nick Sirianni says anything on or off the record. Prior to the Sunday, I'm not going to say anything on the record. I can tell you that. Yeah, he, he probably pick his two pick. Will pick and choose his words carefully on the record. He's not going to Demarcus Lawrence the Cowboys. I'll tell probably. you. Probably Sirianni's pretty good and pretty smart when it comes to that stuff. Uh, and then uh, hour number two, Jeff Curry's going to jump in with me. I jumped in with him. And oh, by the way, just for the record, I agreed to go on Jeff's show before Jeff agreed to come. And fill in for Johnny Mac. Well, I didn't know John. Yeah, John, I gotta, uh, I gotta thank you. Friday kind of snuck up on me this week. That, that Nick Sirianni always does an off the record on Friday, and it's you know it's important if you want to know what's going on with the team, which is pretty big part of what we do here. So mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's pretty important. But you know, Phoenix and all that stuff, it, it, it snuck up. It's a quick week. This was a quick week. Snuck it up was. on. Me. And uh, I didn't know who was going to be sitting in for you in hour number two until, shoot, well after I stopped watching sports last night. I didn't even check my phone. I don't know what time. I know what time, but I didn't know it came in until this morning. When oh, I got by up. the way, Jody, we got to talk about that game last night. I was thinking I could not turn that game off because of the incompetence. It was like a, 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 a car crash. You car can't crash, turn away. Yeah. I, I could not turn away because of the Chicago incompetence. And I have an Eagles tint to that because I think it shows you how good the Eagles are. What they are doing to Justin Fields is, you know, the offensive coordinator is a joke. Uh, uh, Luke Getze, he he is a he's another Aaron Rodgers guy. But all these guys should pay residuals to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yeah, what, Nathaniel what, Hackett, are you telling yeah. me that's why they have the jobs that they yeah. have? What what they're doing to that kid? 
and this is what I talked about in the off season. I know we got to hit a break. We can talk about it afterward. But I said, you know, the Eagles would be doing a disservice to Jalen Hurts if they just tried to make him a, a pocket. We talked about it all off season. And I said, this is a Jalen Hurts first team. I came to that conclusion. You got to build around what this kid does well. And to Nick Sirianni's credit, he has done exactly that. And Shane Steichen's credit. And they're doing the exact opposite in Chicago. And Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze, they should be ashamed of themselves. That was embarrassing. I'll go you one further. And I'm sorry uh, that an ex-Eagle executive will be dragged into this conversation. but And the general manager. Because this past offseason, they had made an aggressive move to get field, so they gave up their first-round draft pick. Then with their first two picks of the draft this year, they take defensive players. They they go out and trade their best defensive player for more draft assets down the road, but that's not going to help Jalen Hurts right now. They added zero weapons to that team during the offseason. The Eagles had a better offense, and they added A.J. Brown. They were starting from a better position than the Bears were, and they went out and got one of the best wide receivers in the league. What the Bears do for Justin Fields? Yeah, well, the personnel, that. the personnel stinks. I mean, I mean that is is on. You're you're absolutely correct, but that doesn't bail out the coaching staff. Personnel season's over. I'm I'm you know I'm with you. They got a bad. They got one of the worst rosters in the NFL, but that's over. That doesn't mean you have to stop, you know, trying to maximize what you have. And they're not maximizing what they have in Justin Fields. You're still going to be bad. Don't get me wrong. But if you play the correct way and build, all you have to do is watch the Eagles. Use them as a plus one in the running game like the Eagles used with Jalen Hurts. Um, Very similar type setup. He's better. Are they going to win a lot of games? No, because the personnel stinks. But it's not going to be that ugly. He's not going to look that bad. He's not going to look that. And by the way, you saw the one throw where he missed to the tight end in the end zone, which was just a terrible throw. Wide open. Uh, it, he's losing confidence on top of it because of, 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 it's just it, it's exactly what you don't want coaches to do exactly what you don't want coaches but i will i will say this and you know how big a justin fields fan i am i just flat out loved him coming out of college and thought he should have been the number two pick in the draft and i was hoping the jets took him because they had the second pick rather than wilson um and there were plays last night where he had time had time in the pocket had a guy with some separation in the pattern and he's not just zipping the football you can tell he can't. Every once in a while, he just lets one go. And you go, wow, that's serious arm talent. That, that's the ability to just cock it and let it rip. And it's, but a whole bunch of throws last night, it seemed to me like he was guiding them. He was more worried about touch and catchability. You can't do that in the NFL anymore, John. They're too big. No. They're too fast. DBs react quicker. Uh, you you can't worry about putting the perfect touch on the ball. You got to get it there. And I know Fields has the arm to do it. I've seen it. I saw it at Ohio State. I saw it on a couple of passes last night. But I also saw a couple of passes where he's just like trying to lay it out there and throw the perfect pass. That's not going to work in the National Football League. 
No, it's not, but that's kind of what I'm talking about. When you use a player incorrectly, he starts to lose confidence. And, might be. And, and, he might and, be in his own head. You could be right. And and that's one of the issues, which you can't prove it. It's not tangible. So I know people are saying, oh, he's wide open. That's why I used that example. Yeah, that's a throw you have to make as an NFL quarterback. There are a bunch of them. He's clearly not playing with confidence. Clearly. Um but I think a lot of that has to do with the way he's being used and utilized and asked to do. I it's, it's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. When you coach poorly, they have a certain style of quarterback and they are trying to fit him into Luke Getz's scheme, which is the Aaron Rodgers scheme. Well, he can't do what Aaron Rodgers can do, but there are things he can do that Aaron Rodgers can't do, believe it or not. Um, and they need to take advantage of that, and they don't. And that's why I blame the offensive coordinator. Now, Matt's a, a de- defensive head coach, which is another mistake, you know, probably. If you have a young quarterback, you probably should have went offensive head coach. But you know how this league works, Jody. They had Matt Nagy, offensive guy. Pendulum swings, they go defensive guy. That happens all the time. Um, they're wasting the kid. And by the way, I don't think he's a, you see him doing his yoga breathing exercises in Chicago. I don't think he's a Chicago. It's not going to work. Um, but they they ramped up the failure quickly with their decision. And that coaching staff is an abomination, abomination. And, and oh, by the way, uh, the new general manager hired the coaching staff. He hired the head coach. He hired the defensive coordinator. He didn't pick the quarterback. So if and when they make a change, chances are it's going to be a quarterback before it is an head coach. You, and, and, in my opinion, Jody, you can take the if off of that when they change because it's over for Justin. Hopefully he'll get a second opportunity. He's got enough talent. Somebody will take a chance and hopefully he gets in an organization that understands, all right, we have to use him in a certain way um, when in Chicago. The clock is already ticking. Be interesting to see how it plays out because the teams that need a quarterback are going to try and take a quarterback in the draft. It's going to have to be that perfect fit of a team that still needs a quarterback, but the best quarterbacks are off the board. So let's see if we can trade for Justin Fields. Yeah, this, it, it, the kid is all of 21 games into his NFL career, and he's already on shaky ground as to where his career is going to go. That's just flat out wrong. All right, back and back, guys. We got north on a Justin Fields slash Chicago Bears talent. Shame on us. But Eagles I compared it to the Eagles. I compared it because I, I think it shows you the 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 really good job that Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen, Brian Johnson, Kevin Petullo, all the offensive coaches are doing with uh, Jalen Hurts. And by the way, they listened to Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie. They have to, obviously. And they played the game in the offseason. And this is what I was talking about the entire preseason. And when that blip switched, because I was concerned they were going to try to make Jalen Hurts into something he isn't. And to their credit, they said, ah, we're going to go win games now. Thanks, guys. Right. But Howie Roseman also was the guy who drafted Devontae Smith number one last year and added A.J. Brown this year which made them a better offense. I'm not trying to take any credit away from the offensive coaching staff. Howie Ray- Roseman gave him the bullets. Well, you know how I feel about A.J. Brown. I mean, A.J. Brown is, you know, he was the 
piece that set everything into place on the offensive side of the football. So I'm not downplaying the addition of A.J. Brown. But if they were using uh, Jalen Hurts as a, you know, Aaron Rodgers style offense, they wouldn't be five and zero. Oh. They'd be better than the Bears probably, but they wouldn't be five and zero. Oh. Correct. Hi, right, John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. J Mac going to stay for hour number one. Jeff Curry's going to come back for uh, hour number two, filming for Johnny Mac, and John Machota, who we've had on the show previously, does a great job covering the Cowboys for the Athletic down in Dallas. He's going to jump aboard with us in hour number two. Come back. I do want to talk about these two defenses because everyone, we all want to see a great game. Hanging about, well, I shouldn't say that. There are some Eagle fans that would like to see the Eagles win 73 to nothing. I don't think that's happening. I think it's going to be a good competitive game on Sunday. And the reason I do is because I think both of these are very good defenses. Uh, I do want to compare and contrast Eagles defense, Cowboys defense, and now they're going to attack them. Mac and Mac coming back here on Birds 365 next. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Faces you know, the team you trust. The Delaware Valley's leading news program, Action News. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to Ocean.
Barn Bird 365 Football Friday. Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles, Sunday night. Doesn't get any better than that. Specifically this season when the Eagles are the only undefeated team left in the NFL. Damn, that'll be painful if the Cowboys pin their first loss on them. Uh, but the Cowboys come in 4-1 and one themselves, and the Eagles can jump out to a significant lead in the division just six weeks in if they find a way to win. Uh, while you're at it, why don't you hit that like button? What do we tell them to do here, Johnny Mac? You got to like, you got to share, you got to subscribe. Although I probably said too many nice things about the Cowboys, so it might be tough today. No, I don't, I don't think you've gone overboard uh, at all. So, uh, Eagle fans, uh, we know you're with us on a day like today because coming up is Eagles against Dallas, which doesn't get any better than that for us here in Philadelphia. Thanks to those of you who've already streamed in. Do us a favor. Give us a little uh, love. Hit that like button for us on a day that yeah, I'm pretty sure John's going to pick the Cowboys, but I don't want to speak for uh, the Eagles, but I don't want to speak for him. I know I'm going to pick the Eagles. The question is by how many uh, I'll, I'll make that decision in hour number two. I'm certainly leaning in a direction. Uh, one of the reasons I'm going to pick the Cow- the Eagles to win this game, John, is because kind of good news on the injury front. And I know this can change. It change in practice today. It can change Saturday or Sunday. You can come in and have absolutely everyone at 100%. You play a couple of plays. Oops, two guys are hurt. You're screwed. So I get it that you can't make definitive statements about how healthy a team will be when the game gets underway on Sunday, but you can at least lean in certain directions. Uh, Kudos to you. I gave you a number yesterday. What I put it at seven and a half, seven Uh, and a half, which was a very solid number um, for resting players. The reason I went under is because some of the typical resting players were injured. So they would have injury designations. Jason Kelsey would be a rest player, but he was injured. He had an ankle injury. By the way, he had to hobble off the field at some point. So, uh, you know, they're banged up on the offensive line. Isaac Samalo, probably a resting player, injured. So that number, which would have been over eight, nine, fell down to six uh, because guys are banged up. So I'll ask you to read between the lines here. The Eagles starting offensive line is going to be there. Who we think of as their starting offensive line is going to be starting offensive line on Sunday. Are they not? Yes. I think you are going to see the five typical usual starters. uh, But the key to me is who's going to finish. I don't know if everybody's going to finish. Um, I know, you know, Lane's fine. Um, Isaac, fine, believe it or not. Um, He was able to get through the Arizona game. Um, The other three, they're banged up. Um, Jordan Mailata's pretty evident he's going to try to play. Um, Saw him in the locker room. He's going to be wearing one of those harnesses. He can't lift his shoulder over um, over his head. Um, which you don't necessarily have to do as an offensive lineman, but it's nice when you can do it. <laughs> um, so he's really banged up. Landon Dickerson has been working through this foot ankle thing for a uh, number of weeks now. Suo Peta had to play the majority of the game in Arizona. You might see a similar situation where he's in, he's out. And then Jason Kelsey, as I said, 
I, yeah, I gotta, I gotta wait till I get down there this morning, but he, he was, uh, he took a little hit to his ankle, um, in individual drills and he was in some pain. So, um, those guys are banged up, but you know, Kelsey's going to try to go, you right. know, that what he missed all of three plays and three they caught plays. it on camera. So you, and you were in the press box out there in Arizona. So you probably don't have the same feel that I do. And 99% of our listeners do watching it on television. They pointed it out pretty quickly and showed that they uh, came limping <clears> off the field and on the sidelines, them attending to him. And, it seemed like it was going to be a bigger deal than it turned out to be because he only, in reality, only missed three snaps, right, yeah. John? Yeah, three snaps. It was right before halftime, and then, you know, we're all like, all right, Kelsey's done, and I don't know why I keep falling for that trap, and all of a sudden he's got his helmet, comes out, he's ready to go, uh, and he finishes the game. But he is a human being, um, and – what I will say is not at optimal level. So, you know, a lot of these things are like, you know, I think fans too often, Jody say, all right, my lot is playing. All right. Kelsey's playing. Dickerson's playing. Yeah. They're going to try to play because it's a big game, but they're not, they're not healthy. They're not their, their typical selves. Um, And that could have an impact on the game. And I know you and I have talked about this before. And uh, if you want to give me the pro football focus numbers, feel free. Um, just judging by watching on TV, not watching coaching film or breakdown or whatever. I think Jack Driscoll has been damn close to great the last two weeks. My lot gets hurt early in the uh, Jacksonville game. He goes in, does a pretty damn phenomenal job. I thought he was great. He didn't give up any sacks. When they needed to run it late, they ran it uh, both right, left, and up the middle behind Driscoll. We've acknowledged that Driscoll is as much a guard as he is a tackle, and they're asking him to play tackle. His uh, most comfortable side is the right side. They're asking him to play the left side. All those things lined up against him. And, oh, by the way, you're replacing one of the best left tackles in football, and I didn't see much of a drop-off at all. So I'm giving major props to Jack Driscoll in the way that he played. I say this all because I got a question. If Dickerson is the guy who ends up having to leave the game, that Kelsey guts it out. Why? Because Kelsey always guts it out. That uh, uh, Sayamalu is able to stay on the field, not succumb to the injury, and goes wire to wire. If Dickerson is the guy who needs to come out because his injury is just bothering him so much, do you just plug in Opeta because he's a more natural guard? Or do you ask actually ask Driscoll, who's been on that left side, out of tackle to jump into the left guard position if the one guy of the starters who, who's out happens to be uh, Dickerson? Who would you put in there? Uh, Sua uh, would go in for, for Landon. Um, remember, Jeff Stoutland's not a fan of, of moving pieces. Um, so he goes into a game with a plan. Um, and Sue has been the guy, right guard, left guard. Now, I think right guard would be more interesting. The one, uh, you know, Jack has done a tremendous job, never played left tackle before until he played left tackle. So he's never played left guard before. Um, but, you know, you could argue what I just said. 
the more interesting thing to me would be right guard. If if if, um, if Isaac's out, yeah, because if if Jordan is playing, if Jordan's the left tackle, there's a couple interesting things. So I should say, um, if Jordan's the left tackle and he's fine, and then Sue uh, Sayamalo sprains his ankle again, and you have Jack Driscoll, then that's a more interesting conversation. That that's one where I would say I would put Jack Driscoll in there. Uh, that to me, I, I, I don't know what, uh, Jeff Stoutland would do. Uh, if you force me, I'd probably say Sua at this point, to be honest, but I, I would go Jack Driscoll. See, uh, I've he, been so impressed with the way Driscoll has played. I, I want him as my number one sub off the bench. Anyway, you slice it. Yeah. Well, the Eagles have to remember here. And here's the bigger thing, Andre Dillard, because there is a good chance that Jordan Mailata does not finish this game. He is not healthy. Uh, he's going to try. I think he's going to try. Now, I might get down there this morning, and he might have tried yesterday, and they might shut it down. Uh, and and then you have the conversation. But I can tell you yesterday, Jack Driscoll was back working on the right side. Uh, and it was it was uh, Jordan Mailata and Andre Dillard at left tackle. Um, so to me... Those are the bigger questions. What happens? Are they ready to to get Andre back in the mix? Because and and all those accolades you gave Jack Driscoll, I agree with, and and most of them because he's never played the position before and he really held up well. But man, this is Micah Parsons, and they are going to put Micah Parsons on Jack Driscoll. It's not going to be. No, we're going to move him here. We're going to move him there. They're going to put him on Jack Driscoll if he's playing left tackle. And I think the Eagles are very cognizant of that. And I think they want Jordan Mylotta out there or they want Andre Dillard out there. And by the way, they probably can't block him either. But that's... I was going to say, John, and maybe I am putting too much stock into what Driscoll did the past two weeks. To me, he was better than Andre Dillard's ever been. Pick Andre Dillard's best game of his career and match that against what uh, Driscoll's done the last two weeks at uh, left tackle. I'll take what Driscoll's done. I, I don't know that, oh, okay, we got Andre Dillard. Let's plug him back in there just because he's that's been his position forever. I'll judge off what I saw the last two weeks. If it's not my ladder, yeah, the Eagles are getting squeezed. It's going to be a tough matchup for either one of them. I got more confidence in Driscoll. Well... I, you know, I could tell you the Eagles definitely don't agree with you. Um, he, 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 he played well under very difficult circumstances. Um, he did not play well against Jacksonville. He played better, especially in pass protection. Hmm. Um, he, he played better, uh, against Arizona, but it wasn't top tier level or anything like that. He played very well for a third string left tackle and probably held up better than any other third string left tackle. I will look it up. I'll see what the film says. Uh, Pro football focus has him 53 of 72 at tackle. Um, so, you know, it wasn't great. Uh, it was better than it should be. Um, 
But yeah, they want they want a legitimate left tackle out there because then it becomes, you know, and again, George's not healthy, so they're still probably going to lean towards putting Parsons over Jordan Mailata um, versus Lane Johnson. Um, but you make it more difficult. You just, you know, it, 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 I, it, to, to expect Jack Driscoll to deal with Micah Parsons, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, I understand that, but I would say the same thing about a guy who hasn't played a snap in a game. Well, yet. that's true too. And that's when, true too. When, when he's been healthy is to expect nothing. anybody to expect an injured player to expect somebody who hasn't been playing to expect Jack Driscoll. It's a tough matchup. It's a tough yeah, matchup you, no matter what Eagle way fans, you better hope that Jordan Mailata is able to start and finish this game on Sunday. Now, Johnny Mack has to appreciate the Dallas Cowboys and the way they play defenses the first five weeks because they lead the National Football League in pressures. They're second in sacks, but they actually lead the National Football League. And by a lot, it's not by just like two or three. Yeah. They've got like 15 more pressures than the second most teams. Eagles fans would love, the, would love that defense. Their aggression, they would love it. Love it. Well, the yeah. aggression comes from the front four because uh, John also sent me the uh, amount of blitz, percentage of blitzes on plays. And both the Cowboys and the Eagles are in the bottom 10 in the National Football League. Where were the jump numbers you sent me yesterday? Uh, 19th and 20th. They're right next to each and other. 20th. Okay. Uh, uh, like 25.3 20... for the Cowboys, 25% for the Eagles. Yeah. So neither team leans heavily on the blitz. They like to get there with their uh, down four, and they've both done a pretty damn good job of it, as a matter of fact. Um, so, yeah, the, the Cowboys are going to make Jalen Hurts feel it. Uh, as good as the Eagles' offensive line is, and I do think we have to keep that in mind, I don't know that the Eagles, the, the Cowboys have faced a great offensive line in any of the games. Cincinnati put a lot of resources into it at the beginning of the year, but they haven't had any results. No, no. Joe Burrow is still out there sprinting and, and trying to make plays well, that's, on the run. You know, part of that is Joe's fault, but you're right. They don't have a good offensive line. But, you know, part of it is the quarterback's fault. When you take that many sacks you gotta you gotta get oh, I, rid of them. it thank you very much for saying that uh sunday i do uh i on football with zach gelb uh around the national football league show i jump in for the last two hours of his eight hour marathon and i said the same exact thing burrow is so good and so cocky that he holds on to the football yeah he just yeah. waits and waits and waits and waits and waits and believes one of the star wide receivers is going to get open so you're right he does cause some of those sacks but their offensive line isn't good in cincinnati the giants offensive line is nothing special the rams offensive line one guy retires and it seems to come apart it seems now i know how good a guy he was but yeah. their offensive line isn't much at all they have seen nowhere near as good an offensive line as the Eagles, if healthy, and we're putting that qualifier on it, well, if they're healthy, Demi, are as but, good as the Eagles are. Uh, well, the Eagles have the best offensive line in football. The Eagles are Eagles fans are spoiled with this. We're talking about Jack Driscoll, you know, the third left tackle who could start on some of these teams. Um, uh, yeah, the Eagles' offensive line is off the charts. Uh, you can't play a better offensive line than the Eagles because there is no better offensive line. Um, 
so that's number one. They are really, really banged up, though. So they're not performing at an optimum level at, at this stage. Um, and that's, you know, what the Cowboys will have to take advantage of. But when the Eagles are healthy, yeah. I mean, I always talk about Packers fans being spoiled with the quarterback position. Eagles fans are spoiled with the offensive line. They do not realize. You just talked about the Rams, the Super Bowl champions, lose a 40-year-old left tackle. They don't know what to do. Nope. They don't know what to do. They, the Eagles fans are so spoiled with the offensive line and Jeff Stoutland and what he's been able to do. They don't know how the other half lives in this league. The Cowboys had a great offensive line for years, but it was talent-driven. Uh, Teron Smith, Travis Frederick, Jack, Zach Martin, Lyle Collins, they had good players. Now that they've lost some um, injury, attrition, free agency, they're struggling. They got Jason Peters trying to play left guard. Um, you know, Zach Martin's still there, but that's it. Um, they got a rookie first-round pick playing left tackle. Probably shouldn't have been a first-round pick. Um, Terrence Steele, I guess, is playing pretty well. Uh, they don't know how the other half lives, Eagles fans, when it comes to the offensive line. But the Cowboys, even with that only at average at best offensive line, have been effective running the football this year. Uh, that's why you can plug in a guy like Cooper Rush, who isn't going to wow anybody, who isn't going to drop back and throw for 304 touchdowns. No, they still are a running team, run first team. And I think they have to stick with that against the Eagles this week. So this turns out to be a big game for the Eagles defense in the ability to slow the run, if not stop the run. Last week, Johnny Mack, the Eagles linebackers easily had their worst week of the season. Uh, both Edwards <clears throat> and Kaiser White threw in their biggest clunker, and they both happened to do so on the same week. The Eagles made James Conner look pretty good carrying the football last week, and the combination of Zeke and, and Pollard this week is better than what James Cameron, uh, uh, Connor, James Conner brought to the table last week. How big a game is this for the Eagles linebackers? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I expect them to bounce back. Similar, it was more the entire defense in Detroit – uh, was more the linebackers in Arizona. A lot of missed tackles. You know, TJ doesn't usually miss tackles. Um, I expect that to be sort of self-correcting. I don't think that's going to be a consistent thing. Um, I don't I, Ezekiel Elliott's a big name, but I don't think he scares anybody at this point. Tony Pollard's their better running back. I and, agree. But because, because – they pay Zeke Elliott what they pay Zeke Elliott. They don't use him. Well, in part, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the world either. But he's been really effective. Um, uh, and he doesn't have the big name, but he's he's the guy I'd be more concerned with when it comes to the Cowboys running game rather than Ezekiel Elliott. I want him to hand the ball to Ezekiel Elliott. If he, if he gets going, you know, it's – First of all, he's not going to make big plays. It's going to be four, five, six yards. Pollard can gouge you. Yes. Pollard can gouge you. Uh, and he's the bigger concern to me. I, I agree wholeheartedly, but both of the guys can move the sticks. They're kind of guys who, who uh, Zeke, 
who came into the league as a uh, big play kind of guy has turned into a move the chains kind of guy. Yeah, exactly. And he runs stronger. He just isn't going to break big. Pollard is their home run hitter out of their two back, but either one of them can do it. Um, I think the Cowboys are going to lean on. I think they're going to try and run the ball, even though the Eagles have as good and as stout a defensive line as they do. And yes, be very interesting to see the percentage of downs that Jordan Davis gets because number one, yeah, he's coming off the best game that he's ever had. I know five deep, but it's the best game that he's ever had. Number two, I think the Cowboys are going to try and run the football, and defensive assignments are given by what they think the other team is going to do. Jordan Davis is on the field when the defense coordinator thinks Cowboys are probably going to run the ball on this play. I think they're going to run it a lot, so I think Jordan Davis's numbers will be up this week. Agree or disagree? Um, I agree. He's getting, you know, he's getting more snaps. Um, it, 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 he's a two down player at this point. I mean, it's not going to improve dramatically. I think when people look at rep counts, you know, they don't take into a fact that his role, his role right now is that five, one or five, two, um, set up, um, playing on the nose or shade, stop first down, stop second down, get the third and long. That's his role. That's his role. So if it's, you know, if first and 10 turns into second and nine or even better second and 11, he's doing his job. And that sets the Eagles up for success on third down. Um, So it's not going to be a huge spike. He's very important. He's got a very important role. He's a very important part. He should dominate Dallas's center, who I can never pronounce his last name, but he's not Travis Frederick. I can tell you that. Now, Zach Martin, you know, that guy's going to the Hall of Fame. He's the bigger concern, but I I think he's a bigger concern for Fletcher and, and Javon Hargrave. Uh, I think Jordan Davis is going to be an issue for the Cowboys. So do I. And he needs to be an issue for the Cowboys because – I think the Cowboys are going to look to try and run the football. I think this is going to be more of a ball control game than maybe some other people think. I think both uh, these teams have been able to rely on the run. Um, And when I say the run with the Eagles, that includes Jalen Hurts keeping it a couple of times for sticks moving first downs. I I do not think it's going to be a major passing affair. If you set the over-under on quarterback yards – for 250 for either of the two quarterbacks. I think I'd take the under on both. Uh, I definitely take the under on Cooper. You know, Jalen's tough with those because it might be one, you know, big play. um, And, and it blows you up if you want to go under, but I would lean towards under. Yeah. The Eagles want to run the football as well. Um, because of the pass rush and you mentioned with all, all the sacks and all the pressures and, you know, I want to run at Micah Parsons. I don't want to let him run, chase my quarterback. I want to run. He's an undersized uh, edge player. Um, so run the football right at him with the, with your offensive line. If I they're healthy enough. Agree. All right, Johnny Mac, we know we got to let you run, but you're not going anywhere without giving us a prediction on the game. Eagles 5-0 and against the 4-1 and Cowboys. They're a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I told you the ridiculousness that the opening line was at minus one. It has rightfully gotten to where it should be. I knew it was going to be in the five, five-and-a-half, six, six-and-a-half, 
So it's at the high end of it. It's a six and a half point spread, which Vegas is doing the proper thing and showing respect to the Eagles, unlike the Marcus Lawrence. Um, how do you think this one plays out? What do you think the game looks like in the 59th <clears throat> minute? Uh, I think the Eagles are the better team. If Dak Prescott was healthy, completely healthy, and playing at a high level, I still think they're the better team. Uh, they're the more well-rounded team. I'm a little bit concerned about the health of that offensive line. That's the only thing I'm concerned about. I think the Eagles win, and I think it's not that difficult, to be honest. I think 27-18-ish is where I'm going in this game. So they cover and they win. Get the win and the cover. All right. Uh, we're, we're, you and I are, are similar. Not exactly the same, but we're in the same ballpark. All right. Uh, safe travels. Tell Coach Nick off the record. Tell Coach off the record I say hi. On the record I say go get him, Coach. But off the record just tell Competitive him. advantage. Don't say it on the air, Jody. I got no secrets here. I'm not going <laughs> to have anything to do with the outcome of Sunday's game. Uh, Johnny Mac's going to run. Jeff Kerr, our uh, bud from Good Morning uh, NFC is going to East, is going to hop on with us. I jumped on with him, so he's going to jump on with me. And John Machota from The Athletic, who covers the Cowboys day in, day out, going to stop in with us next hour here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown's five-day used car super sale. Jeff puts an end to high prices now. Five days of the best car, truck, and SUV deals ever. Over 1,000 vehicles, every make and model. Stop overpaying. See Jeff today and get a quality car, truck, or SUV now. The five-day used car super sale. Experience how easy it is to deal at Jeff's. Nobody treats you better. Nobody gives you more. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown. GoJeffAuto.com. Score and save this football season on your car insurance. Before the next game, save up to 40% on your auto insurance policy. That's right, 40% savings. Call an Audible this season and contact the Del Val Insurance Group. They're an advocate for you, not an insurance company. That means they'll get you the right coverage and save you up to 40%. Call managing partners Fran or Jim of Del Val Insurance, 215-354-0122. Or score and save at dvigi.com. dvigi.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online.
Over the last 17 years, we've built a reputation of growing award-winning teams across the country. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. You get the board here on Birds 365 on an undefeated football Friday. Undefeated. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Would be the Philadelphia Eagles. Dallas Cowboys do have a loss, but it came week one and they've won four games in a row. So between these two teams, they've won nine games in a row. That makes it perfect for Sunday night football, national television coverage. We'll be all over it. We've got a, another hour to talk about it here on Birds 365, and I'm going to be ably aided by my buddy Jeff Kerr, who hasn't filled in for uh, Johnny Mack in a while because he's got his own important show to do here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, before Jay Mack and I hit the airwaves, I jumped in with him today, so he's jumping in with me today. Thank you very much, Jeff Kerr. Are you ready for Eagles Cowboys on Sunday night? Yeah, I'll be ready. I'm actually heading down to Citizens Bank Park today to catch Philly's Game 3 action. So, yeah, it's going to be a big weekend in Philadelphia, Jody, but I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the cover Eagles. Heck, I'm excited to eat dinner with John McMullen. Any day you get a chance to do that is always a pleasure. All right, are you going Sunday? You're you're down yeah, there. Yeah, I'll be there. Uh, we'll right. be busting on Bob Groats about J- James Bradbury. And, Very good, uh, yes, please. James Bradbury's that good. I, I think Bradbury could get a pick on Sunday night, as a matter of fact. All right. Um, here's the question I want to get with you, because you cover the entire league. Do so for CBSSports.com, and uh, you spread out past the division as well. You and I talked about a, a league issue or two. Here's what I have as a fear for Sunday night. Not an eagle fear, not a cowboy fear, but a reaction fear. couple of quarterback flags this week that came down in the National Football League caught a lot of attention. Very questionable roughing the passer calls in a couple of games. And the referees have stuck to their guns that they called it correctly. Tom Brady got kind of tossed to the ground. Come on. Are you kidding? That nah, terrible call. 
and then uh, uh, landing on the quarterback where the defensive lineman got his hand down. He didn't just completely pancake the quarterback. I thought both were hideously bad calls. People want to speculate it's because of the whole Tua thing and the concussions and that the NFL overreacts with the way they call games thereafter or the individual refs do. What's it going to be like in Philadelphia if Cooper Rush draws a roughing the passer penalty, which doesn't look much like a roughing the passer penalty? How crazy is it going to get in Lincoln Financial Field if in the second half of a close game, a questionable call comes out and it goes against the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, we got to make sure that Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, even Jordan Davis, you know, if one of the interior linemen gets to them, don't, don't make sure they swing him. Heaven forbid you swing the quarterback now. It's a penalty. <laughs> um, yeah, that crowd will be raucous. Uh, you better not give Eagles fans anything to actually throw at the officials because, yeah, it, it could be ugly, Jody. And I, I think how we're going to see this play out, Bill's Chiefs is going to be a good indicator of what the league will actually do because I'm curious if Josh Allen actually does get sacked or Patrick Mahomes gets sacked. How will they treat that? And Mahomes flat out said it. I, I don't get those calls that Tom Brady gets. He doesn't. And Josh Allen said, I don't get them either. So I don't know if Jalen Hurts is going to get a call like that Sunday night because he does run and he does go outside the pocket. But Cooper Rush, as we know, isn't, most, isn't a scrambling quarterback. So I think this league does a lot to protect pocket quarterbacks and they don't do enough to protect the running quarterbacks. And it's been a problem for 40 years. It still is a problem. And yeah, last week, and I look, I got the numbers. The league has called significantly fewer rough in the passer penalties through five weeks than they did last year. But I think the league overreacted with a couple of those plays. Look, if you want to blame anybody, if you want to blame anybody for that NFL, blame yourselves for basically letting Tua play after he was wobbling after four games. I know the Dolphins have some jurisdiction in that too, but I mean, you're the guys who fired the the guy who cleared Tiger Viola in the first place. Right. Um, there was the, the NFL does this from time to time, not always, but from time to time, the, the immediate overreaction in the way they legislate themselves thereafter. I, I thought they were both hideously bad calls. Did you did you, did you think that just it was an overreaction, or do you think uh, either of those two calls uh, were legit? Well, the Grady Jarrett one on Brady, I was pretty furious at, and it wasn't the penalty as much as the situation. You had a third and five. He sacks Brady. Falcons are going to get the ball back down twenty-one fifteen. I'm like. Oh, what's the matter? Falcons can't beat the Bucs now. Tom Brady can't lose three in a row for the first time since 2002. You know, heaven forbid the Bucs might struggle. And look, and I I think I was more furious at that, that that got him off the field. And of course, we all know what happened. Tom Brady eventually threw a first down and the Bucs had no timeouts and the game was over. The Bucs, I mean, the Falcons had to kill all their timeouts. The Chris Jones one, Andy Reid told me all I needed to know. Andy Reid does not get that emotional over a penalty. And he did his best after the game Monday night to say, hey, look, you guys are trying to get me fine. But he, he basically said it right there. Like, I don't agree with the call. And he said, look, it's a fine line between protected quarterbacks and this and that. But Chris Jones did was sack the guy. I mean, they don't favor defensive players in this league at all. They want glorified arena football. 
But now that scoring's down, all of a sudden we got to find a way to get scoring back up. It, to me, it's kind of ridiculous. It really was. Uh, and I, I think they've got a pretty good process. I cut the NFL some slack because you got shows like this one and you write for CBS and all the writers across all the platforms ever. Every single little thing that goes on in the National Football League is scrutinized under a microscope. So I think from time to time, we're, we're, we're a little over the top in our critique of it. Oh, this one was so merited. They, they, they just so blatantly overreacted to uh, what went down with the whole Tuatunga Valoi thing. Uh, the, the dominoes have fallen, and I hope they don't fall again in this Eagles-Cowboy game because I think it's a great matchup. 4-1 against 5-0. and oh. Uh, one of the best defenses in the National Football League, that would be the Cowboys, certainly the best at putting pressure on the quarterback against the Eagles, who also have one of the best defenses in the National Football League. Everyone would like to see a high-scoring game. Uh, we, you noted that scoring is down across the league in the National Football League this year. Not a lot, but some. I think it plays that same way on Sunday. I think this is going to be more of a defensive struggle than an offensive shootout. How about you? So right when you signed off on Good Morning NFC East, I actually gave my prediction. And I I, th- I said the Eagles were going to win 27-17. I, I, I don't think it's going to be this 35-31 shootout like maybe a lot of people are anticipating. One, because the Cowboys can't score over 20 points. They haven't all year. So why would they do that against the Eagles defense? I mean, conventional wisdom tells you that, which means they'll probably do the opposite. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I just think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think the Eagles are going to conserve clock. Again, I, I think they're going to run the football a lot, and I agree with you. I think Dallas is going to run the football a lot. But I will say I think the Eagles try to get off to a fast start and try to test Cooper Rush early and kind of make the Cowboys one-dimensional because I think that is a way you can beat this football team. Make Cooper Rush actually throw the ball 30 to 40 times a game because I don't think he's done that in any of the games he's started yet. The Cowboys actually have had scored over 20 points a couple times, but they haven't given up more than 20 points this year. That's what it, that's the stat. Why, why do you think the Eagles will be, if you got them winning 27-17, that would certainly be the most points the Cowboys have given up. What do you think the Eagles have uh, on offense that will be able to have them put up more points than anybody else has against Dallas all season? Well, you know, I, I kept saying all year, the Rams are going to be one of the more – one of the better offense Cowboys fate, but as it turned out, the Rams offense really isn't that good. It's Cooper cup and that's it. You know, they need a receiver. They don't have a good offensive line. They, they can't run. They can't run block. They can't pass block. So that's out the window. Um, Cincinnati's offense, I think was still in the funk when Dallas played them. You know, they were still trying to figure out, okay, we got to get the short passes going. They're taking away the deep stuff from Jamar chase or taking away deep stuff from T Higgins. Like Cincinnati was going for the jugular all the time. They're trying to go for the home run. And, They've adjusted to that. They still have trouble scoring, but they've been better since that Cowboys game. I mean, Washington Giants, you saw Washington's offense last night. They didn't even put up 230 yards. So, yeah, you know, this is a much different. The Eagles are the only team in the NFL with three receivers, only with over 300 yards receiving this season. It's a good passing attack. Um, they're one of seven teams in the league. Josh Allen doesn't have more total yards then. So, Keep that in mind. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a lethal offense. They can beat you on the ground. They can beat you through the air if you let them. Jalen Hurts is one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in zone coverage this year. Go to his left. Go to his middle. I, I think the Eagles can just beat you in a multitude of ways, and they've shown this. They showed it against Jacksonville. They can pound the ball. They showed it in Arizona. They can pound the ball. Minnesota, they can beat you through the air. Washington, they can beat you through the air. They, 
they can, you know, the big plays will come. And we all know Trayvon, he's been a lot better this year, but he's susceptible to the big play. Anthony Brown is too. So if you can protect Jalen Hurts and give him time to move the ball downfield, I, I, I think the Eagles can get a big playoff to A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith, maybe even two or three. J.K., uh, I want to attach my name to it because I've been a critical of the Eagles' uh, play calling last week. Uh, the whole we're going to get the ball out quickly and beat their what we see as coming blitz didn't really have great results. The wide receiver scream, the bubble screen didn't really work. Um, I'll give the Eagles credit for at least being proactive and trying to get ahead of the play, but then you got to call it right. You got to execute right. And they didn't, the Cowboys don't blitz, but the Cowboys do get home. They've got more pressures than anybody else in the national football league. Will this be another week of let's get the ball out of Jalen Sands as quickly as possible as last week was? I think uh, in a way, yes. Um, I, I think it depends on how the game flows. So they can't get anything going, run the football. I think they will try to use the bubble screens or they'll try to use the short, quick passes to open things up. And look, I, I, I've been telling people this for the past week. Arizona has a better defense than a lot of people give them credit for. Uh, they were playing really well in the two and a half games before the Eagles game came. And they were aggressive in that Eagles game, they're finally starting to use Isaiah Simmons right. Their secondary is very underrated. Jalen Thompson, who probably should have had an interception or hurts last week, was one of them. A tremendous play, by the way, even though it ended up being an incomplete pass. But I digress. I, I, I think what separates the Cowboys from a lot of teams, Anthony Barr has made a huge difference there. The, the, their linebacker position is criminally underrated. I mean, everybody likes to laugh at Leighton Van Der Esch, but he's had a pretty good year for them. Barr's been good. I think there's a way to test them, really, and that's go to Dallas Goddard. Find a way to get the ball to Goddard and let him create those yards after the catch. By the way, Joey, did you know Dallas Goddard second in the league in yards after the catch this year? Well, he was one of the top in the league last year, right? He's certainly yeah. the top tight end and uh, was one of the top guys in the National Football League, so it really shouldn't come as a surprise. And that's why I was wrong last week. I, I don't know if you heard me, J.K. I, I said it Sunday with uh, my part, my buddy Glenn on WIP. I said, Dallas Goddard's going to make his plays against Arizona because Arizona's not great at stopping a tight end, and Goddard's very good. But I thought Zach Ertz could actually have a bigger game, more catches, more yardage. I thought the Eagles might have a tough time uh, covering Ertz. Well, Goddard did what Goddard did, and I thought he would. But they actually did a pretty good job of uh, not letting Ertz be as big a factor as he was. And I had forgotten. Ertz just never gets any yards after catch. Catches He'll the catch the ball, and then he's going down. Dallas Goddard catches the balls. He makes a guy miss. He gives a stiff arm and drags a guy five more yards. That's the difference between Goddard and Ertz at this stage of Ertz's career. Ertz is a catch-and-stop guy. Goddard is a catch and let's keep moving the chains type guy. Yeah, it's funny too, right? Because even on Ertz's biggest catches of his Eagles career, the the four from one and uh, the the Super Bowl win touchdown, he really didn't get a lot of yards after the catch. It was just catch the Never ball. Does. Yeah, that, that's one thing he's always done. He does it for Arizona really well. Kyler Murray said, hey, when I went near first down, that's the guy I'm going to. And he's been that guy for – Arizona, he's been a really good fit for them at, at tight end. Arizona has a history of not, since they moved to Arizona anyway, have, have not had good tight ends. So Ertz has definitely fit that bill. But you're right. It's 
Dallas Goddard, it's, he catches the ball, and then you're like, okay, what's he going to do after this? Like, he'll catch a three-yard pass, and you're just like, okay, he'll probably get 10. Uh, you know, the, the one play against Washington gets a 23-yard touchdown off the screen. It's yeah, Dallas Goddard's the guy I go to. He's the guy who could break a defense's back. And Devonta Smith does this a lot, too. A.J. Brown does it. The Eagles have a lot of guys that can get yards after the catch. I think that's what makes yep. this offense as dangerous as it is. And don't kid yourself. And this is one of the areas where uh, during this past offseason, Eagle fans questioned Jalen Hurts and manager answered those questions. The quarterback is almost as responsible at yards after catch as the actual guy who's making those yards after catch. Putting the ball in a position, going forward, on the right shoulder, leading the guy, that's what leads to yards after catch. And Hertz has been very good at that this year. Yeah, Hertz uh, has been pers- – I'll tell you what, the Minnesota Vikings game was the game I'm like, oh, wow, Jalen Hurts really showing us something here in terms of how good can this guy be. Like, I I, I said if Hertz becomes a top-10 quarterback at any point in his career, I'd be more than impressed because I, I, I like the intangibles he brings no matter what, with his arm, with his legs. But through five games this year, you can honestly make the case he's a top-five quarterback in the league. And just, just based on how he's playing right now, I mean, it's – Allen's been as great as usual. Same with Mahomes. By the way, I can't wait for that game Sunday. That's right before the Eagles game. Um, Lamar's been Lamar. Jalen Hurts has been right up there with those guys in terms of production and how he's able to lead this offense. And will that stick the whole year? I don't know. But if we're going off the five-game sample size, I've had people tell me, oh, it's two games, it's three games. Well, guess what? That's the sample size I got. So So for five games, I can make the case Jalen Hurts is top five quarterback in this league. Right, and he's a top five candidate for MVP. Wouldn't know that listening to Demarcus Lawrence yesterday uh, that he has had that good a first five games to start the season. Oh, that'll be something we'll discuss with our next guest. John Michonne does a great job covering the Dallas Cowboys day in and day out for the Athletic. Yeah, I was a little surprised Demarcus Lawrence didn't show the respect that Jalen Hurts, I think, has garnered with his start this year. Bulletin board material, does it have any impact on this game? Uh, how how ready are the Cowboys for the Eagles? We'll discuss all that next with John Michaud of The Athletic. He joins us here on Birds 365. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. It's the team you trust to bring it all together. The stories that impact your community. A sports roundup for the locals. And the AccuWeather forecast you depend on. Action News at 11 with Rick Williams. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Since 1977 at Rafferty Subaru, we have always been about our customers and the community. Early on, a safe and durable option, we've evolved to become the best overall brand according to Kelly Blue Book. 
Over the last 14 years, we've donated thousands of dollars through the Subaru Share the Love event and found homes for hundreds of pets. The Rafferty family is proud of our 45 years in business. This month, celebrate our anniversary with special financing on select models. Visit us and see why. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Streaming in on the biggest game so far this year for the Eagles. Oh, and the biggest game so far for the Cowboys. Here to give us a Dallas perspective on it is a guy who's there every single day covering the Cowboys. Does a great job for the athletic. John Machota jumps in with us on Birds 365. How you been, JM? I'm good, man. I'm good. Always enjoy talking any sport really with you, but also obviously Eagles Cowboys, man. I'm excited for this one. It's there's been too many Eagles-Cowboys games since I've covered this team where it'll be at the end of the season and one team's already in the playoffs and the other one's not and they're resting starters or you know someone's team season's already over and it just doesn't have that hatred that I feel like we're really going to feel Sunday night and I'm looking forward to it. Did uh, Demarcus Lawrence do the job stroking the hatred this week with what he had to say yesterday about Jalen? Who's Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts hadn't played the Cowboys yet. He, he went down the road of, I think, a little disrespectful. Now, you're there every single day, so you know the way DeMarcus handles his business on a day-in, day-out, week-in, week-out basis. A typical for him, or did uh, this, for some reason, maybe spark more than you usually get out of the Cowboys' defensive lineman? Well, I mean, ever since I started covering DeMarcus, he's always been hit or miss, uh, and he's not a guy like... You know, I, I noticed with the Eagles, they bring a lot of their top guys to press conference type setting thing. And the Cowboys obviously have set days for certain guys that they talk in that. Well, Demarcus Lawrence is kind of, if you can get him, you can get him. Some days he'll talk. Sometimes he wants no part of it. And I don't know that he really wanted to talk. And so he stops and he's hanging out for a little bit. And it's one question about Jalen Hurts and then another and then another. And then there's a question about something else. And then some other reporter walks up and asks him again about Jalen Hurts. And this is your fourth or fifth question. And by that point, he was just, you could tell he was getting annoyed by it. And to defend us reporters that are around there, you know, Jalen Hurts, he's playing really well. Like, what did yeah. you, I mean, do you not expect us to? I mean, this guy is one of the front runners for MVP right now. He's one of, if not the biggest reasons, the Eagles are the only undefeated team. So I, 
I don't know, but I, well, I will say this. When I walked away from his locker, I did say to another reporter, I'm like, I know, I don't know if he knows how these quotes are going to look in print, but I mean, it certainly looks like he's trying to kind of stoke the fires there. And then, you know, yeah. I'm the type of person, I'll go listen to what, you know, Jalen said and some of the other Cowboys, I mean, some of the other Eagles like Kelsey and stuff like that. And no one's really talking like that. I think DeMarcus was getting fed up. Like we're not showing respect for this Cowboys defense, which we obviously respect them. They're the reason that they've won their last four games. But yeah, I definitely, when he was done talking, I'm like, he probably doesn't think this is bulletin board material, but uh, I think that there'll be people in Philadelphia that take it that way. Yeah, it is. Yeah, John, I, I felt the same way. I'm like, well, to be fair, the last time DeMarcus Lawrence saw Jalen Hurts in a football game was week three of last year. That, that feels like eons ago now. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, do, are you really studying your opponent? Or are you just kind of over overlooking them, or do you just not think he's that good? I, I don't think that he thinks he's not that good. I think he was more – annoyed that he was getting so many questions about him like you know there's there's just this he'll never admit this but I've always thought that there's this belief with a Demarcus Lawrence that you know he's been on this team since 2014 and since 2014 if you take this year away this has been a team that's built around its offense so the offense gets all the love and everybody's always talking about the Cowboys offense and really this goes back well beyond you know Aikman and Michael Irvin and Emmett but this is the first time where the defense is really the reason that they're winning. And I, I feel like maybe he feels like they're being disrespected because we're not asking him more questions because that's what he said at the very beginning. He's like, yeah, well, yeah, Jalen Hurts is playing well, but he hasn't faced us. So, and while that's great, I just, I don't know, I'm the type of person that I think I would just save that for Sunday night, you know, but to Marcus is, I will say this. He is the vocal leader. He is the guy that, you know, before they go in the locker room after pregame warmups, he's the one talking in the middle of the huddle. So there's also a part of me that thinks, hey, maybe this was him publicly trying to maybe fire up his own guys a little bit. I don't know. Let me ask you about that Cowboy defensive line, because we know certainly what Lawrence is capable of. And uh, now this is this is between the three of us, right? <laughs> Nobody else is streaming in. Right. You know what I did yesterday? I put five bucks down on Micah Parsons to win the MVP. It's kind of a hedge bet because I got the Eagles going through the Super Bowl. But right. He's been that good. He's 250 to one to win the MVP. Now I get it. No defensive guy in the NFL has won the MVP since Lawrence Taylor. You got to go back a long way. It's a quarterback's award, but he's been that good that I thought it was just worth the flyer for five bucks, 200, uh, 250. So $1,200 for five. Yeah. I took a shot there. Um, we know how good that Michael Parsons is. Tell me about Armstrong. Because he's been on the Cowboy roster for a couple of years now. He's not a young guy coming up. He's been part of the mix. And he's never really been a factor before. And I saw him make a couple of good plays in their last game. I said, where the hell did this guy come from? He's getting to the quarterback unabated. Um, they, they are the number one team in pressures in the National Football League. And they do so with a little, di- little bit of depth. We all acknowledge that Parsons is the guy that makes it go. But... They've got some depth along that offensive line, uh, defensive line, do they not? Absolutely. Best depth they've had in a long, long time, over well over a decade, probably back to when they had DeMarcus Ware and Jay Ratliff. So um, Dorrance has been a, a solid player, but he's been a backup. He's been playing last year, last couple of years, playing behind Randy Gregory. And when he got his opportunities, you know, he would make some plays, nothing that no, no game where he jumped out like he did last week with the block punt and the sack fumble and, and what seemed like in 10 minutes of real time. Um, but 
when the Cowboys weren't able to resign Randy Gregory, Dorrance Armstrong's a name that they kept bringing up, even to the point where when they signed Dante Fowler in the offseason, I kind of rolled my eyes at all the Dorrance Armstrong talk. I was like, oh, they'll put Fowler in. He'll be the starting right defensive end. And as we got through, you know, mini camps and OTAs and in, into training camp, you're like, man, Dorrance continues to be the guy that's running with the ones. And But to your point, you know, having DeMarcus Lawrence on the other side, Micah Parsons is essentially another edge rusher. That obviously helps. You, you're going to have to, every team is going to be putting all their attention on number 11 anytime he's out there. And that makes complete sense. So uh, that's helped. But the motor that, DeMar- that Dorrance Armstrong has is, is impressive. And, and the fact that he is one of those guys, I think the best way to sum him up is that, you know, there's there's a sense with some guys that once they get start making some noise on defense, ah, I'm good with playing special teams. But Dorrance loves playing special teams. He's always been on the spe- all the special teams units. I mean, he's just he's a great team guy that every t- team wants to have, and he's just now really starting to surface to where everybody kind of knows who he is. But uh, yeah, no, it's been it's been impressive. John, I feel like the secondary doesn't get talked about enough. Like Trayvon Diggs obviously makes all the headlines, but. To me, J. Ron Curse has just made that secondary instantly better since he's come back. Yeah, it was. I wrote something the other day about you know this massive turnaround the Cowboys defense had in the last two years because in 2020 during that COVID year, it, you can make the argument it's the worst defense in Cowboys history. And so they get they they fire Mike Nolan, they hire Dan Quinn. So I put Dan Quinn as the second most important thing. I put Micah Parsons drafting him as is number one. My third was was. The, the Trayvon Diggs thing, but right in there around probably fourth was resigning DeMarcus Lawrence, but in the top five has to be J Ron curse. They didn't give up a lot for him. They signed him in the off season. And then Dan Quinn just was able to put him in a spot where uh, he just was able to utilize his strengths. He's been really good uh, defending tight ends. I, I expect him to play a lot on, on Dallas Goddard Sunday night, but yeah, he, but it's not just him. It, the fact that they've had Donovan Wilson and then they added Malik hooker, that trio right there, that's the best safety group they've had in over a decade too. That, that that's been one of those positions in the Cowboys organization. You can make the argument that they've spent the least on safety that any team has spent on any position over the last decade. And so they finally have this safety group that they can really trust. So to your point, absolutely. It's more than Trayvon Diggs at all three levels. They, they have solid starters and solid depth. John, uh, Michael Gallup came back a couple of weeks ago, knew he wasn't going to be ready to start the season. Question was what week was it going to be? He's now back in. Hasn't been a major factor in the offense just yet. Does have a touchdown, Graham, so you give him the nod for that. But it's only gotten eight targets in a couple of weeks. Is he still building up to as good as Michael Gallup can be? Is uh, the better results yet to come? Uh, him and Cooper Rush on the same page. Where is Michael Gallup at in his third uh, game back from uh, coming off the injured list? So in terms of things he's done physically, I don't think there's any doubt that he's he's back physically. I don't think they would have put him out there if he wasn't. But still, you still got to see it on the field. And he's made a, a bunch of plays. He made a catch last week on, along the goal line. I mean, I'm sorry, along the sideline on a third and 15. That was just a crazy toe tap catch that when he's getting his opportunities, he's either making the grab or he's getting drawn defensive pass interference. So I think that Physically is there. I would say the one thing that probably isn't to hundred percent yet is just that trust mentally that, Hey, my knee is back. I'm, I'm good. You know, after you suffer a type of injury like that and you spend all off season rehab. And I think when you first get out there, you, you wonder, okay, am I, can I trust this knee? Is it going to hold up? Am I hundred percent healthy? And I think every game that goes by, he's trusting it more and more, but I don't think I would sit there and say that Michael Gelb's hundred percent right now. I think he's continuing to get better, but 
I, I think his his best games are still ahead of him this, this year. I think he's trying to work his way back. And the other thing is too is, you know, it's one thing when Cooper Rush steps out there as a starter and he has an immediate rapport with Noah Brown because they're both running with the twos for the last mm-hmm. several years. Cooper Rush isn't getting a lot of work with Michael Gallup. And then Michael Gallup gets kind of put in back in the offense right when Cooper Rush has taken over because Dak's out. So I think that his rapport will probably be a little bit better with Dak when when he returns. But um, I, I yeah, I think his best football is still ahead of him this season. John, Cooper Rush, I, I think he's played tremendous in all four starts. But the last start, and this is the coach of me talking, I saw a lot of flaws that the Rams kind of exposed with him. Like, you get to him, he's not exactly the most uh, gracious with the ball in his hands. If you can flush him out of the pocket a bit. Do you think the Eagles will try to to mimic what the Rams did last week? Yeah, absolutely. I think that your game plan against this team absolutely has to be do everything you can to stop the run. And, and you know, if you can get pressure on, on Cooper, great. But I think you want you want him to have to put up some 300-yard, two-touchdown game to beat you. And if that happens, then you just kind of tip your cap. And he was able to do that last year on Sunday Night Football against Minnesota during his first career start. But this year he's been, because of the defense, much more of a – that just take care of the football, not do anything stupid, not turn it over. And there's some luck involved with that. I mean, I think all quarterbacks throw some throws here just like that should have been picked and it wasn't. But him, the way he's been able to take care of the ball has been probably his greatest strength. But, yeah, there's no question. He's not Dak Prescott. He's not Jalen Hurts. If they get pressure on him and, and cause him to, you know, throw some bad decisions and uh, and the running game's not working, yeah, that's going to be a bad day for the Cowboys. I look at this team and you're just like – or this game and you're like – when the Cowboys have the ball and the Eagles play are on defense, that's the greatest strength for the Eagles right there. Because the other side, when the Eagles have the ball and the, and the Cowboys defense is out there, I think that's going to be good on good. But where this game is going to be decided is when the Cowboys have the ball and the Eagles defense is out there. If they cause enough problems, which I, I think that they will, uh, that's why I think the Eagles end up winning the game. John, I know we're, we're past the point of uh, interpretation, um, but I'm still very intrigued by it. Uh, Jerry Jones comes out on Monday and says – Dak's got to be able to spin the football. If he can spin the football, he can play. By Tuesday, McCarthy has pretty much said, oh, we're preparing for Cooper Rush to be our quarterback. Did he do it because Dak couldn't spin the football? And they immediately said, all right, well, it's not this week for Dak. We don't even know about next week yet for Dak. Or was it to cut off any doubt, uh, cut off any controversy as to who actually could be or should be the quarterback by Sunday? Why did McCarthy go as, as strongly as he did? He didn't just slam the door on Dak, but he made it rather obvious, yeah, it's going to be Cooper Rush this week. Why do you think the coach played it the way he did on Tuesday? <laughs> well, because he's a coach, and he do, he's not going to feed into a lot of the, the Jerry Jones stuff that we enjoy. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that that there aren't aspects of my job I enjoy because Jerry Jones makes it enjoyable because there's always something out there. I know everyone doesn't love that, but – uh, for me personally, sure. it's one of the, yeah, it's just it's one of those things where Jerry likes to throw stuff out in the spinning it comment. Like I can promise you that's something that someone mentioned in one of the meetings, and and he's trying to constantly find new things to say. Because keep in mind, I mean, he's being asked, he's doing two radio interviews a week. He's talking to us after the games. He's just constantly trying to find new ways to talk about where Dak's at, and, and he's had to do it for several weeks. So he's just looking for a new term, you know, to throw out there. I think what he was meaning is that he's got to really have some like game time velocity behind it. It's one thing to sit there and throw to receivers and practice is another. Are you completing all the throws that will help us win a game? And, and that it, Dak's not at that point yet. You know, we've seen him throwing after practice and he threw a little bit, a little bit of individual yesterday. 
uh, which was another step in the right direction. But it just, I think there's a lot of people that when they hear Jerry talk, it makes you wonder like, maybe they're sandbagging and Dak's going to be active Sunday night. And Jerry wants you to believe that, you know, that's, he loves that. Whereas mm-hmm. Mike gets out there and just kind of, guys, let's be realistic here. There's medical involved here. Then we have a staff that is going to, you know, bones, it takes a certain time for bones to heal. We know this, it's science, you know, so he doesn't want to maybe play the game as much about it. Um, but if, if, I mean, if Dak was a little bit closer, I think that McCarthy would be fine with playing some games. I think he just knows, you know, Cooper Rush is going to be our starter. Will Greer is going to be the backup. There's really not a lot here to, to kind of keep people guessing about. So when are we expecting Dak Prescott back? So with him doing what he's done this week, I think next week is, is a decent possibility. And, and frankly, I think it's the perfect opportunity because you're playing a Lions defense is arguably the worst in the league. You're at home. Get right in that game. You know, you can have some bad throws in that game, whatnot. To bring them back against the Eagles and what's going to be one of the Cowboys' biggest, if not the biggest game they have all season after you haven't played the last four weeks, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So these next two weeks against Detroit and Chicago just line up perfectly that that's a good time to bring them back. And really, okay, even if you send them next week for one more week and then you play them against Chicago – Right after that, you have the bye. So if there's any type of soreness or, uh, you know, recovery that he's needed after it, you have the bye week and then you you go from there. So um, if he's not back against Detroit, I definitely think he'll be back uh, against Chicago the following week. He's he's getting close. I mean, you talk to him in the locker room. I mean, he he doesn't hesitate. He'll show you, you know, the, the cut on his hand, how the swellings went down, all that stuff. Like he looks like he's ready to come back. It just they want to take the proper steps because, hey, it's 17 games. I mean, they, you know, they can lose this game and there's still so much to go. You don't want to bring him back too soon. And then he suffers a setback. And then all of a sudden you're really in trouble. I was going to ask you when the Cowboy buy is because the Eagle buy is up immediately after this game on Sunday night. And they usually have the divisional guys with the buys at similar time frame, So it's right down the road for the Cowboys as well. All right. Uh, I've been on record as saying the last couple of days, that we might not see an exciting game on Sunday. If it's exciting, it's going to be because it's close. I think both teams come into this game wanting to run the football. I think that Cooper Rush has done a nice job as a game manager, but the Cowboys have won their last four straight games because of their defense and their running game. The Eagles, I think, have a better passing attack, certainly with Cooper Rush in there right now, than the Cowboys do. But last week when they needed it, Tied with nine minutes to go, they went on an eight, 17 yard, 17 play, eight minute drive by pounding it down the Cardinals' throats. So I think this is a running attack game for both of these two teams. Tony Pollard has made more big plays this year than Zeke Elliott. Zeke's got twice as many carries, but he's made more plays. Who's the key guy for the Cowboys' rushing attack? If I'm right, this is a mano a mano rushing against rushing attack between these two teams. Well, I would say it'd be Ezekiel Elliott. And the only reason why I say that is because since he's been with the Cowboys, uh, I can't think of a game that I've covered when Ezekiel Elliott is pounding the ball, you know, getting five, six yards, putting his head down, uh, you know, finishing runs, always finishing forward. When he's had those games, it's like a barometer for the rest of the team. They just feed off of it. Now, as you guys know, 16 and 17, maybe even 18, there were a ton of those. That's when he's, you know, competing for the rushing talent. Hasn't been so much recently. But when he he still has those games periodically, obviously it helps when the offensive line is playing well. When that happens, it is the barometer for the rest of the team. You know that things are going to be going well. When If, if Zeke's out there doing first down and, and the feed me gesture, 
uh, it is, it just really is just, it's, you just know the Cowboys are playing well if that's happening. And, and it's just, it's one of those things where if you've just watched him over the years, it just, there's good mojo when Zeke's playing well. So yes, Tony Pollard, absolutely the home run hitter. And he, he's going to make may, way more big plays than Zeke is, but Zeke is, he's just that steady force that the team kind of goes as he goes. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it does come down to the running game. It was interesting here. Mike McCarthy the other day say that if I'm going against our defense, I'm running the ball at us. You know, I mean, that's, that's been their weakness the last few years. They've gotten better at it, but the last thing you want to do is sit there and, and think that you're just going to win throwing it through the ears, uh, through the air and letting these, these defensive ends pin their ears back. You don't want to do that. If you're Jalen Hurts, you don't want Demarcus Lawrence and, and Micah Parsons teeing off on you. You want that running game to be working, uh, whether it's Jalen Hurts running the ball, Miles Sanders, whatever you want that to be, uh, to go, go well, because if it is, then they're going to win the game. And I think that the Eagles have the advantage, uh, from that aspect, because, I just don't look at this Cowboys run game as much as they've, they've emphasized it with Cooper Rush. I don't see it having a big successful day against the Eagles. I, I just it's it's a good rushing attack, but it's not as good as those ones in, in 2014 and 2016 and 2019 that the Cowboys have had. And yeah, part of it is Ezekiel Elliott isn't as the same runner he was then uh, from the wear and tear that he's taken. But also, let's be honest, this isn't this is a regrouping offensive line. This isn't the Tyron Smith, Travis Frederick, Zach Martin offensive lines that they've had in previous years where you're like, this might be the best offensive line in football. They're, they're kind of rebuilding that group as they go. John, how is that left side of the offensive line faring out with um, Tyler Smith and Connor McGovern? I know Jason Peters gets in there from time to time. It's, it's, it's done well when, they're running the ball well and they're going downhill. I don't, I don't think you want to get in a game where you're down a couple scores and that's going to force Cooper Rush to have to be back in the pocket, you know, throwing more. I think that that would be kind of their Achilles heel. But frankly, this entire run with Cooper Rush, with him taking care of the ball, uh, how well the defense has played, they haven't had to play from behind very much. And when they have, it's maybe a touchdown at most. So he had, they haven't had to go to strictly a passing game to try and get back in the game. Um, and so when they're running the ball, the offensive line's been outstanding. That is this offensive line group's strength for sure is run blocking. Um, Tyler Smith at left tackle, their rookie first round pick, the run blocking, he's a road grader. He's still got some work to do uh, as, as a pass protector. He had some issues last week, albeit now it was when the Rams moved Aaron Donald out to the outside and, and he's going to be handful for anybody. Uh, so he had two sacks against Tyler Smith, I think, and Andrew a holding call. Um, so that was certainly a welcome to the NFL moment for Tyler Smith going against Aaron Donald. Uh, but when they've been able to run it, they've been fine. So that, again, that goes back to this game. I mean, if they're not able to run it, I, I, I don't know how great they feel about the idea of a Brandon Graham, a Hassan Reddick pinning their ears back against against their offensive tackles. It, it might not be a good day for the Cowboys if that happens. All right, JM, depending on what metric you use, you can make an argument that the Eagles are one of the best offenses in the National Football League. Depending on what metric you use, you can make an argument the Eagles are one of the best defenses in the National Football League. I don't know that there's any metric that's going to say the Eagles' special teams have been special so far this year, despite the fact that Dicker, the kicker, won special team player of the week because he made a 24-yard field goal. Jeff Kerr could make a 24-yard field goal. <laughs> I have made that a kind of yard field goal. Uh, player of the NFL this week, it has not been an Eagles strong suit. How would you grade the Cowboys special team unit through the first five games? I give it uh if we're going over all five, there's been games where they have been an A, 
but I'd say over all five games, I'd probably give them a B minus C plus. Okay. There's just been, they lost their long snapper and there were some issues with that last week um, on their very first touchdown. Uh, the new snapper snapped the ball uh, when Brian Anger, their punter and holder wasn't ready. So it just hit him in the arm. And so they had to just kind of fall on it. So that wasn't great. Uh, Brett Maher, their kicker has been just an absolute surprise because we went into training camp. He wasn't even on the roster and it got the, the first week of training camp was so bad with their kickers that they were, they had to bring in three, four guys for a kicking competition basically. And Maher won that. And he's just been steady as can be ever since then. So he's really, he's really strong. And then their, their returner in both punt and kickoff Cavante Turpin. He was the MVP of the USFL. He's, he's small, but he's got juice and he just hasn't had many openings. He had a really a breakout game in the preseason where he had a punt return touchdown, a kickoff return touchdown. You could tell it probably put a lot of special team coaches on, on, on alert. Hey, let's make sure we don't give this guy many opportunities. So yes, I'm glad you bring that up because I, I do feel like special teams is so often overlooked and it could be the difference in, in the game, especially if this yeah. game close. Um, so I would, yeah, it's, I mean, it's been solid. Um, and Brian anger is a really good, you know, pro bowl caliber punter. Just in, in each of the last two games, he's had one punt in each of those games where it just was very uncharacteristic of, uh, of Brian anger shanking uh, a punt that you're like, wow, I can't believe he did that. So, um, normally he's, he's as steady as can be, but these last two games it's, it's been kind of up and down. So, uh, it's not, they aren't the significant advantage there, but I think that they probably have a little bit of an advantage in, the, in that area. John, the last time the Cowboys and Eagles play the game this early, this magnitude, I was talking about this with Joey Mack on my show earlier, was probably the T.O. game in 2006. Uh, when was the, the last time you felt this much buzz for this rivalry early in the season? This is certainly the most. I started covering the Cowboys in 2011, um, and I didn't get the, the – don't get me wrong. When I say this, I'm not, I didn't get this buzz from the Eagles fans in 2019, but that game at the end of 2019 was just so big for the Cowboys, mainly because it was, they needed to win. Uh, I think it was week 50 or week 16. They needed to win that game to keep themselves alive to win the NFC East. And essentially it was a big storyline here because it was, if, if they don't do this, Jason Garrett's out, you know, and, and after Jason Garrett had been the coach for a decade, that's kind of a big moment. And I felt like the Cowboys are clearly the better team. But the Eagles outplayed them and, and in Philadelphia, you know, and, and won 17 to nine. And that was just really a head scratching game that I will always remember because it's just one of those when you cover the team that you feel like, I don't think things are going to be the same around here after this. You just had a feeling that there were going to be some changes on, on the way that that was played because they should have beaten that Eagles team. So there was a lot going into that game just for the Cowboys perspective because they, they should have won that game and they didn't. And they didn't play well in that game at all. And the Eagles. Uh, completely were the spoilers and, and, and ruined their season really. So that's the last time, but there aren't a ton of games between 2011 and now that I even would think are even close to this. Mm. And then you put it in Sunday night. And then the thing that I keep looking at is, you know, the Phillies are in the playoffs. They're playing. I mean, Philadelphia sports are rocking right now. I just expect that, that crowd to just be really, you know, juiced up and, for me, hey, I'm in the press box, so I'm in a safe environment. I don't really care. Yeah. I'm looking for it. I, I'm, I can't wait for it, you know. I'm not going to be sitting in the stands, you know. So uh, I just – I can't wait to see what it is because um, I hope it's not a stinker. You know, that it has the feel of, hey, first one to 17, first one to 20 wins. Um, but, yeah, even if it is, I don't care. I think this is a heavyweight matchup because whoever wins this game – forget the NFC East. Whoever wins this game has to be – everyone's favorite to go to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. It just has to be. You look across the rest of the NFC, like this isn't the old NFC East of these last five or six years where you just kind of make fun of it. And you're like, yeah, it's down, whatever. 
I mean, these two teams, these are legit playoff contenders making deep runs in the playoffs. And whoever wins this game, uh, that momentum is going to be just ratcheted up to another level. Agree wholeheartedly on that uh, point. Here's what I think is one of the most misstated narratives in the NFL for years now, that the Cowboys head coach is on the hot seat. From the day Mike McCarthy was hired, it seemed like he was on the hot seat on a national basis. And it's because Jerry runs his mouth. But truth be told, Jerry gives his coach a lot of leeway. He certainly did with the previous coach, then McCarthy. And even though they had the can't get to the line in time loss at home last year to Garoppolo and the 49ers, I don't think he was ever close to making a coaching change this offseason. You're, You're right. there every day. You understand this better than we do looking from afar, but it just makes me laugh every time. Mike McCarthy's going to get fired. No, he's not. Jerry doesn't fire his coaches. Um, what is the feeling right now about McCarthy in Dallas? What he's done for the couple of years he's been in charge. The fact that he's got him at four and one. How much does the needle get moved this week by a win or a loss against the Eagles? I don't think he gets moved a lot just because I think even with a 100% healthy roster, to lose 19 to three to the Bucs in the season opener and then just go and win these next four games in a row is impressive with Dak Prescott. Impressive, yep. The fact that he did it with Cooper Rush is just, I mean, that's bought him so much. I don't think that his stock in Dallas has ever been higher than it is right now. And Mike McCarthy, I, I, I don't know how you can't give him credit for what they've done. And, and it's his whole coaching staff too. this. For the most part, this is almost the exact same staff he was able to bring back from last year. There's a lot of continuity there. Lot, I mean, you can really get a sense they're all on the same page, and, and that's a huge part of this as well. But I don't know how you don't give Mike McCarthy the credit for this, uh, a lot of credit for this this run that they're on right now. It just seems like they're very prepared. Um, and, yes, you, you bring up the San Francisco game, and that is one that uh, they absolutely should have won that game. And, that, and, and this how his – tenure here is going to ultimately be you know decided is what he does in the postseason it was sure. well as they're doing right now he's going to have to win postseason games um but with that being said the, one of the reasons like you mentioned that it's always talked about in dallas is because jerry likes to stoke the fire you know i mean jerry talked in the offseason about how you know he he was he wasn't definitively saying mike mccarthy was going to continue being the head coach because he wanted teams to think that he might elevate dan quinn so dan quinn would re-sign his defensive coordinator it's like what other owner one thinks like that, two says it publicly. I mean, that puts Mike McCarthy in an awkward spot that your coach isn't, I mean, your owner isn't backing you at the end of the season because he's trying to keep the defensive coordinator. If you're the head coach, you're sitting there thinking, okay, so is he setting me up to fire me and then elevate Dan Quinn as soon as, as soon as the first sign of rough waters, am I out because he's going to elevate Dan Quinn? And, and I'll be honest with you, if you told me that Mike McCarthy is out as Cowboys head coach at any point in the next year or so something like that or even before this i was gonna say that dan quinn would be my pick over everybody wants to say sean payton but dan quinn right now i mean and even going into this year his turnaround what he's done in these two years on this defense i mean frankly i don't know how he's not somebody else's head coach at the end of the season because right. what he's been able to do and turn around and obviously you have the players but you still got to do it as a coach and so yeah, if, if there isn't Jerry Jones constantly talking about it and doing things the way that jerry jones does it i don't think there's as much of the hot seat talk but uh, I don't think you can. I don't think there. I don't think there deserves to be any right now. I don't think any coach could do a better job than Mike McCarthy has uh, the, over this last month. 
John, I worked with Patrick Walker for a number of years at CBS, and we would always talk about the Eagles and Cowboys and the fans and the vibes and all that. I noticed Cowboys fans have really become envious of what the Eagles accomplished five years ago with that Super Bowl run. It's, it's all of a sudden that ace in the hole, how many Super Bowl championships do you got, is gone. And now I feel like they look up to the Eagles in a sense. Like it, it's, it, there's some envy, there's some jealousy there. I mean, what is the pulse down there with Dallas fans compared to Eagles fans? Now? Yeah, I mean, I think there is some. And, and one of the things that, that stands out to me Things are going well right now, so no one's really talking about this at, at the moment, but I go back to the offseason, and the Cowboys don't really do anything. They don't go out and sign many you know, players from other teams and things like that. Now they've went out and got like Anthony Barr and Jason Peters, but those aren't they, – they're proving to be good additions, but they're not, they're not moving the needle. Meanwhile, your, your biggest rival and Howie Roseman are going out there, and they're being super aggressive. They're getting A.J. Brown. They're getting Hassan Reddick. They're making moves, and you're sitting there like, aren't we supposed to be going for a Super Bowl? Where are our moves like this? Our rival's making these moves. How come we're not doing stuff like this? We're the Dallas Cowboys. Where are our aggressive moves to show us that, hey, we're all in. We're going for it. And so whether they whether Cowboys fans want to admit it or not, they have to be somewhat jealous of that. I mean, obviously, 2017 Super Bowl for sure, but there has been an aggressiveness there that, yeah, there's been some down years in Philly, but you – I just don't think that you ever have gotten a sense, at least I haven't over the last, you know, five or six years that like Howie Roseman's going to try and do what it takes to try and get them in position to win a Super Bowl. And yeah, they might fall short. And and along the way, that might be some awful seasons, but at least you know that they're always all in. And I don't think that Cowboys fans have felt that for a, a while with the Cowboys, just because they don't add outside of the Amari Cooper trade there just aren't a lot of big aggressive moves that the Cowboys have made. Whereas the Eagles have shown that they're willing to make those. And heck that might be the difference this year in the Eagles getting to a Super Bowl is because of those moves. And so uh, the other part that I think factors into that is just that how bad Washington and New York have been, that it just is clearly made it. An NFC battle is between Dallas and Philadelphia. And it's been that way for a while now. And so anytime you have a clear cut rival, I think that that takes it to another uh, level as well. And oh, by the way, despite their win last night, Washington still isn't good. The Giants, we're going to have to wait and see on them. True. Great stuff, JM. Safe travels up here, buddy. We always appreciate it when you come on board. We will talk to you for game number two between the Eagles and the Cowboys later in the year. Thanks for having me on, Jody and Jeff. Good talking to you guys. Our Good pleasure. Job. That's John Machota from The Athletic here with us on a cowboy perspective on Eagle Cowboy Week. All right, uh, Jeff Curran for Johnny Mac for hour number two. Doesn't matter who's my partner. You know what we do in the last segment. We put a bow on the show. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. 
Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Score and save in Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, Birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown's five-day used car super sale. Jeff puts an end to high prices now. Five days of the best car, truck, and SUV deals ever. Over 1,000 vehicles, every make and model. Stop overpaying. See Jeff today and get a quality car, truck, or SUV now. The five-day used car super sale. Experience how easy it is to deal at Jeff's. Nobody treats you better. Nobody gives you more. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown. GoJeffAuto.com. Coming down the home stretch of a football Friday, Eagles Cowboys edition of Birds 365. This is show number 383. McMullen and I have done a bunch of these. And Jeff Kirsch done a nice job filling in for Johnny Mac. Full show fill ins, part show fill ins like today. Picking up the slack here for the final hour. So J Mac can go get some off the record stuff from Nick Sirianni. Uh, speaking of J Mac, I'm trying to remember the exact score he gave. He had the Eagles winning by nine. It was either 27 to 18 or 26 to 17. 27, 18 was uh, J Max score today. And I'm pretty damn close to that. I'm going to get you on the record first, uh, Jeff Kerr, before I give my score. How do you see Eagles Cowboys finishing by uh, Sunday night? Well, I'm not that far off. I had 27, 17. Oh, that's right. You t- I think you said that uh, earlier in the show. Um, ask me if I'm going to uh, bet this game on Sunday, Jeff. Ooh, what's the spread? Six and a half? Six and a half. If you think it's going to be 27-17, then you can actually uh, make a play on the Eagles. It's yeah, a I six s- and a half point number. I can't I- bet the game. Yeah, I got to do my he, contest picks today, and I don't know if I'm going to pick Eagles. I, I think I'm going to stay away from Chiefs, Bills, and Eagles, Cowboys. I am too, because I, I said earlier in the week, 
I thought it would be at least a double-digit win, if not two touchdowns. Um, after doing the research that I needed to do, I got to give the Cowboys defense more credit than I might have come last Sunday after the Eagles won and the Cowboys won. Um, I think it's a touchdown game. I'm going to pick the Eagles. I'm going to pick them by a touchdown. When the spread's six and a half and you think team's going to win by seven, that's a no-play game. As a matter of fact, the under-over, which much like the line opened up by the Eagles as only a point favorite and moved all the way up to six and a half, as it should have. Same thing with the under-over. I'm telling you, the lines were put out on the belief that Dak Prescott was going to be able to play because the under-over was like 49 and it has come down to 42 and a half, which is a major move. You just don't see a line move six and a half on the under-over either. Um, it's 42 and a half right now. I think that's close too. I think it's an, I think Eagle fans, you just have to watch. You have to root. You have to enjoy because Eagles will find a way to win by a touchdown. My final score is going to be 24 to 17, which is 41. And the under over is 42 and a half. So that again, too close to play. I'm not going under. I'm not going over. I'm not going to take the Eagles and give the six and a half because I think they're only winning by seven. I'm going 24 17 Eagles. And I think it will be a run-dominated game, John. I, uh, uh, Jeff, I don't think we're going to see a lot of action through the air with either of these two teams. Yeah, here's the nickels worth of free advice: don't bet player props. Don't bet. Don't bet anything on this game. Stay away from. It. Stay away. Just kick back, relax, enjoy, and uh, feel free to root your hearts out. All right, uh, I might see you down at Citizen Bank Park because I'm going to Game Three today too, bud. Uh, All right. Appreciate you filling in for Johnny Mac today. Um, have a uh, good weekend. Uh, and don't forget, every morning before us right here on Birds 365, you get good morning NFC East with Jeff Kerr. JK, thanks, bud. Always a pleasure, Jody. Appreciate everybody streaming in. Go Birds. Good luck to the Eagles. I think we'll be talking about a 6-0 and Philadelphia Eagle team come Monday. That would be 2-2 two and two days, that is, here on Birds 365. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.